This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Two quick orders of business before the podcast episode gets started. The first is that your reviews on this podcast, as always, are immensely appreciated. This is how I am able to run the podcast. So much goes into it, including recording and finding guests and editing and launching and all of those things. So leaving the review is so important and really helpful for this podcast going forward. The second order of business is I am taking in questions for the final episode in this series. So it can be about anything related to anything I talked about. So influencing, social media, Instagram, anything that you have, any burning questions that you may have about anything I talked about, you can send those in. You can either email me, which will be in the show notes, or you can even send in a question where you are talking into your phone, which is actually a really cool new feature. And I would be able to play that back within the episode, which is pretty fun. So I will leave both of those things in the show notes. Let's get started. Our first sponsor today is Navy Hair Care. I have been working with Navy Hair Care since they launched back in 2018. At that time, I was about a year postpartum with our third child, and my hair was experiencing some trouble after some significant postpartum hair loss. Navy really helped to strengthen my hair, and I noticed a big difference about one to two months after using it regularly. With biotin, vitamins, and rosemary oil, this shampoo and conditioner combo has been part of my daily routine for years now. I also use the charcoal mask every one to two weeks to help revitalize my hair. It helps to dry out toxins, heavy metals, and impurities, which we have plenty of since we have well water. This mask will leave your hair feeling incredibly soft and lightweight. You can use the code Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 30% off your order, and I will leave the links to the products I mentioned within the show notes. Today's show is also sponsored by Sarah Belly. Sarah Belly was founded by neurosurgeon Teresa Persner. You can hear all about the story that inspired the brand within the episode we recorded together about six months ago. After becoming a neurosurgeon, Teresa went back to school to earn her PhD in developmental neurobiology at Stanford. After having her three children, she was having a hard time finding baby food that focused on the proper nutrients needed for the developing brain. And thus, Cerebelli was born. Did you know that 80% of a baby's brain is fully developed by the age of three? 
Cerebelli is the only brand of organic purees that provide 16 key brain-supporting nutrients. Let your baby explore veggie-first, clean-label project certified flavors with no added sugar and spoonfuls of nutrients with Cerebelli. Parenting is an art. Cerebelli is science. And you know how much I love science. My kids also enjoy their smart bars, which are great for a quick, nutrient-packed snack for on-the-go. Today's listeners can get up to 35% off your first order of Cerebelli with code LINDSAY20, that's L-Y-N-Z-Y-20, plus an additional 15% off when you subscribe and save. Hello. So you may have, during this episode, you might hear our German Shepherd gnawing on some bones over here. He cut his paw and it was bleeding pretty bad. So I had to ace wrap it, put some ice on it. And now I have to be his babysitter for the next couple hours. So you might hear him in the background. He's making a lot of noise as per usual. Trying to keep him still is really and truly one of the most difficult tasks. So last week I talked about why I had started a blog back in 2008 and how I did it and what it entailed along the way. And as I had mentioned, it was really a great way to have a creative outlet aside from my full-time job. And it allowed me to learn new things like coding, like photography, editing, writing. And I've never been a huge, I've never, was never huge into writing when I was growing up. Like I always loved science and writing to me was like, (laughs) so that was great to kind of dive into something that I wasn't always great at. And it was actually really therapeutic to write out blog posts. And it was great. It was a, it was a good uh, outlet for me and I really enjoyed it. And at that point it was, it was great for my stress. It was great for my anxiety. It was it was a good thing. And then I mentioned, you know, the turning point where I think things started to go wrong, both for me as someone who is producing content, but also for people consuming content was with Instagram stories, because it made people more apt to go onto stories because they didn't want to miss out within that 24 hour time frame, And so things became quicker and faster paced and a lot more content and things getting shoved into your face every couple of minutes where it's like this information, this new thing, this new outfit, this new this. And it's just a lot for our brains to to settle in and consume all of that information. And stories really took that to the next level. And with that 24-hour window, it made people feel as if they're missing out. And, you know, that fear of missing out is a real thing. I mean, babies feel it, toddlers feel it, kids feel it, adults feel it. It's the fear of missing out. You don't want to miss out on some great content that somebody you really enjoy watching is putting out. And so it just became this rat race for me as a creator because Instagram doesn't show your content unless you're constantly producing content. And I never took breaks and it was really and truly extremely exhausting and frustrating because even when you did post constantly, you sometimes had these unexplained dips where you're like, why is no one seeing my content? And you know, with all the hard work you put into something, it can be really frustrating. And so March of 2020 is where things all started to turn for me, which is what this episode will be about. But leading up to that, I was 
when I reflect back, as I said, this is just basically a journal. I have nothing written down. I'm just speaking from my heart and what I've experienced and that's it. So right before COVID hit, I was in a bad place. Now that I reflect back, I was on there way too much, obviously on Instagram way too much, trying to produce content. And, you know, I would say maybe 25% of me was really still enjoying producing the content. And then 75% of me was stressed, anxious, overworked, and just on there an unnecessary amount. Also, you know, I did want to mention this as well, because I loved this. My my friend Carla and I had, you know, we talk about this all the time. We've been talking about it for years now. And we always talked about, you know, how we just, we don't want to have this shoppable life. And you've probably heard this term, you know, shoppable life before. And I think even Joe Piazza had mentioned it on her podcast as well. And it truly is a shoppable life. You know, uh, influencers, including myself, instead of buying the cute top that is not linkable, you'll buy the cute top that is linkable. Because when you're wearing it on stories or you're wearing it in a post, you're able to link to it and make a commission. So it made no sense to buy the same shirt that might have been a little bit different that's not linkable than it would be to buy the one that is linkable. And what I mean by that, for those of you that might not know, is that basically influencers make their money one of two ways, usually. Some have their own product and so they'll make money that way, which is really great. You know, whether that be something tangible or something like a class or a course that they, that they offer. But usually they make money uh, one of two ways, which is, well, I mean, they can make it both of these ways. <laughs> so you can either work with brands directly and then you produce ads for them, uh, whether that be on Instagram stories, which is usually the most common nowadays, um, or on TikTok or on your blog, which is way less common these days, Instagram feed posts, things like that. And they pay you directly. Sometimes this is through a third party um, or an agency that will connect brands with bloggers. So they'll work with a specific brand. And then they match it up with bloggers that they think are appropriate for that brand. And then through that agency, you are paid for the ad that you put up. And then the other way commonly that influencers make money is through affiliate linking, which you've probably heard of reward style before and also shop style. So basically, this is a place where you can go and you can type in, you know, citizens of humanity denim from Bloomingdale's, whatever style it is, and then you can hit create link and then you can post your link. And it varies how much you make from those links. So it could be anywhere between, you know, usually five to 15% or so is usually the percentage that you make. And so if the denim is $100, then you're going to make $10 if you get 10%, that sort of thing. So it made sense or it makes sense for influencers to be featuring things that are linkable. Otherwise, they're not making any money, right? So it became this thing where I'd get up in the morning and I'd get dressed, but I'd only wear the clothes that are linkable, (laughs) hence shoppable life. And I had gotten to this point I think it might have even been before COVID where I was just like, this shit is bananas. Like, this is so stupid. Why am I not wearing what I want to (laughs) wear? Like, absolutely crazy. But again, this is like the mindset you kind of, it was just like drilled into me. And also with my personality, which is like full force all the time, no matter what you do, whether it's work, whether it's play, (laughs) whether it's whatever, I just... 
always put 110% into everything, my work ethic. And so it was the same with, with influencing. And I call it influencing because I truly believe that blogging and influencing are separate things. Blogging was back in, you know, 2008 to like 2012, 13, 14, where you were actually using your blog and using photography and editing and writing and learning HTML and all these different things to create a masterpiece, which was your blog posts. And even, you know, figuring out how to like make your blog look, look more cohesive and whatever your choice was, whether it was minimalistic or what have you, you could learn how to like make your blog different, almost like creating, you know, the own cover of your book or whatever. So that was blogging. (laughs) Influencing to me is when Instagram came about and then you were able to just post this incredibly fast content that many times was lacking in its... Oh my gosh, what am I trying to say? It was just lacking when it comes to how good the quality of your content was. It it was much easier to just go onto Instagram stories and say, hey, I've been using this and this is how it works. And instead of creating this blog post that was like full of imagery and full of writing and full of all these things, it was just a much faster way of putting it up there, which of course is great for making money. But I personally think the quality of the content went down significantly. And so that's kind of what I termed as influencing. And again, these are all of my own thoughts. I don't want anybody listening to be upset or offended by what I'm saying, but it's also just my own thoughts. So anyways, that's where I was at back in the beginning of 2020. Now, Oh, COVID hits. And it was really crazy. I was actually in um, Nashville with my friend Carla and the ABLE team. And I remember sitting in bed with Carla and we were looking on our phones and we saw like breaking news with this virus. And, you know, People were thinking, oh, it might reach here. Oh, it might not. And it's, it gives me goosebumps to think back now that I looked at her and I said, no, this is going to be really significant. Like it's going to be detrimental to how we live our lives. And she's like, do you really think so? I was like, yeah. And I traveled back end of February and, you know, no masks then or anything like that. And sure enough, early March, COVID hits. And we actually had COVID in our house very early on. My husband had brought it home from work. And this was before masks were mandated at hospitals. And I was 23 weeks pregnant. And it was by and large the most scary point in my entire life. And I am not exaggerating when I say that. It was extremely scary. I was planning our wills. I was planning all of the things you do when you think you may die, which is almost difficult to reflect back on. But that's where we were at because we didn't know anything about this virus. And being in medicine, you know, viruses can change. They can morph. Like what if it wasn't as deadly in China and it was more deadly here? And, you know, all of these different things were going through my head. And meanwhile, you know, we're we have our our children that we're very, very scared for. And they were out of school at this point and they did end up becoming sick. And all of this was such an incredible wake-up call for me 
personally as difficult, you know, as the last few years have been. And we're all going to have a different varying level of difficulty um, that we think the last couple of years have been. I am so thankful for them. I think that I am a a better person for having worked through the past couple of years. I wouldn't change a damn thing about the last two years. I think it's really important for us as humans to go through things that are extremely difficult for us and that challenge us in ways that we never knew we could, you know, we could get through. I just think that this particular situation, this, you know, COVID, the pandemic challenged us in many, many ways, um, more than one, you know, socially, emotionally, physically, financially, all of those different things. And for, you know, some, it, it challenged them in, in different ways, you know, but all of us on some level. And I found it really difficult, right, to get onto social media and do any type of content at that time. I was still on there because it was also reprieve. It was also a place where I would kind of get myself lost for a minute, but it was also harmful to do that just because then you have to get (laughs) brought back to reality. But I think that's, that's when I started to really think about how Instagram was affecting me. And it was like Instagram became a place where many lived in this virtual reality where all of the financial, emotional, and and physical pains of the pandemic didn't exist. I think some felt that their account could be a place of, like I had said, like reprieve, like they felt safe and that they didn't have to hear about anything related to the pandemic there and, and that they could just keep posting, you know, links to things and selling things and And not that I didn't, you know, still work with my brands. I I did do that as well. But just specifically, many of the accounts that did not acknowledge what was happening in the world, not even at all. And it was, oh, it was so difficult for me. And I, I still struggle to find the words on how to define what I, what I really think about it. But you know, I guess I was just really disappointed, really disappointed in, you know, this, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, this field, this profession. I was just really disappointed in how everything turned out. I, I really thought that everybody would come together and and try to do the right thing or just even acknowledge that we were all suffering together you know, on some particular wavelength, you know, where some might be struggling financially, others might be struggling emotionally or, you know, what have you. And there was none of that. I mean, I I do think there were a few people here and there, of course there are, but as a whole, I was just really upset about even being known as this quote influencer at that time, because I was almost ashamed. Like, I don't know. I just was really... I don't know. Like as I as I said, I'm still like working through all of all of those feelings. I, I don't really know exactly, but I was just disappointed. And so I posted very frequently about 
current updates regarding COVID, um, any new research that was coming out. And of course, once the vaccine was released, really, really advocated for that and wanted my account to be a place where people could come for reliable information regarding this pandemic that we were all living in. And I mean, currently still are, right? (laughs) But my account essentially went from sharing really fun things and a lot of fashion and a lot of motherhood to no motherhood, not a lot of fashion and a whole lot of COVID and and vaccines. So during that time, I lost uh, nearly 100,000 followers or so between March of 2020 and when I deleted my account in December of 2021. And I don't regret any of that for a blasted second, obviously. I mean, I deleted my account, so I didn't care how many people were there at the end of it. I just wanted to be doing the right thing and sharing information that people felt could help them in some way. And sometimes that information is scary. Sometimes that information that you're given about something going on in the world can be scary, but it's important to be informed and it's important to talk about. And that's how I felt. And that's why I wanted my account to reflect that at that time. I also want to mention, I felt like I was in the position to do that also because I was in the medical field. So you know, when I say that other accounts weren't sharing, I I would no by no means want them to be sharing necessarily like medical information, like teaching about or anything like that. I just more or less felt like the acknowledgement wasn't there. Like COVID can be really difficult for people. And, you know, just like kind of just touching on it a little bit here and there. Whereas I feel like a lot were capitalizing on how much people were on the internet, right? Like there were so many more people on social media in the last two years than there have been probably ever since social media was established because everybody was at home and not everybody, but you know, most people were working from home, doing school from home, et cetera, and on their phones a whole lot more. And you could capitalize on that and, and make a lot more money because there was most likely a lot more people seeing your content at that time. So anywho, that was really where I started to really think about social media and how I was using it. And it took me a long time to think about it. And that's why, you know, in the meantime, I'm still sharing things. I I think I might even have had still been posting family pictures on my feed rarely, but once in a while type of thing. But more and more and more, it was like my eyes started to open up, my heart started to open up more and more. And I started to realize, like, what am I doing? What is this that I'm trying to accomplish? I, why am I sharing my family on here? Why am I sharing my children on here? Why, why, why? <laughs> so I'm, you know, reflecting back, asking myself these things. And beginning of 2021, I no longer posted my family on my feed. Well, I wasn't posting my feed at all. And for the entirety of 2021, I took off weeks at a time, months at a time, and wasn't posting to my feed at all. I was only posting to stories. And I felt really compelled to do that at that time because the vaccine had just come out. And I really wanted to talk about it and let people know they weren't alone in their concerns and to let them know of like the latest research regarding it. 
I had actually enrolled myself in a study because I received the vaccine in December 2021 while I was breastfeeding and enrolled into a study at that time. So I talked a bit about that. And just to make people feel like they weren't alone, really, because a lot of us felt alone (laughs) just for so many different reasons, right? Because a lot of us were working from home. That's lonely. A lot of us are parenting alone. That's lonely. Some of us had to leave their jobs because we had no childcare. That's lonely, you know, just all of it. And having an account to go to that you could resonate with, I felt like was really important. Between that and then I had some year-long contracts with a few brands that I had worked with for years, and that was for the entirety of 2021. So I started to think about leaving Instagram, but I didn't know what that looked like, and I wasn't sure I I was actually going to do it. It was just like these fleeting thoughts of, oh, maybe I could do that. Mm, Maybe I will. Mm, I don't know. And I would go back and forth a lot. But December of 2021 was significant. Not sorry, not December, January of 2021 was significant for me. And this is actually where I did write a lot of notes about some books and things that I came across and read and listened to. And the book that I had read in January of 2021 uh, was Digital Minimalism. I came across this book through a podcast that I had listened to the Rich Roll podcast, and it was with Cal Newport. It was from a couple years ago. So if you go back and just type into the podcast search engine and you put in digital minimalism, Cal Newport, Rich Roll podcast, it'll pop up. And this podcast, I mean, quite literally, I guess you could say it changed my life, right? Um, And I've talked about it a lot because it's very significant. And I listened to it and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go get that book right now. So order digital minimalism and took the month of January to read it. Well, I only took, you know, it was maybe two weeks and I was done, (laughs) but it was so eye-opening for me. I, and I, and I do feel that there's a lot more discussed regarding the negative effects of social media and the internet now, but back a year and a half ago or so there wasn't, (laughs) right? There wasn't a lot. There's a lot more coming to the surface now. But then I didn't I didn't think about it in the ways that I was I was reading, which was, you know, this is essentially a slot machine for you. This is you're scrolling and scrolling and you're refreshing. Are there any new posts? Are there any new stories to read? Are there any new anything? And you're just constantly like refreshing or picking up your phone to check if anything's new. And the amount of times you pick up your phone, you can actually look it up in your settings, I believe, where you can like see the pickups you have per day. <laughs> and that can be really telling because a lot of the time you won't even, you know, be paying attention and you're picking up your phone and then you're scrolling. Like you don't even realize it's just, it's literally a habit that you've formed over, you know, months, years, whatever it was. And there was a quote in Digital Minimalism and it said, well, every time I check my phone, I'm playing the slot machine to see what do I get? And that's, I mean, it could not be described better, I don't think. And I had never before that compared my phone to a slot machine. And when it comes to addiction, Dopamine Nation was a great book that I read um, about addiction. Really, really good book. And it explains exactly how all of it works, specifically how dopamine works and the dopamine reward, reward system and all of that. And you can see why social media and really your phones in general are addictive. I was like, 
oh my gosh, this is really eye-opening. <laughs> anyway, there's also this, this thing that I wanted to mention. It's called intermittent positive reinforcement, which I had actually done an interview recently and I was trying to think of this term because this is what I was caught up in in that time between Instagram stories coming to Instagram and when I, let's see, March of 2020. So basically rewards are being delivered in an unpredictable way to the user. So you post a picture of your cat and it gets 20 likes and you're like, oh, dang, like what happened there? And then you post a picture of your kitchen and it gets 350 likes. It, they're being, your rewards are being delivered in an unpredictable way. And the unpredictability of this is what releases the dopamine. And this is something we don't think about, especially like as a content creator, when I was posting a picture and you could see how well it did. Well, this unpredictability releases dopamine. Oh my gosh, where am I going to be at today? Like how good did that that post do today? How many views did I get on my story today? How many people are messaging me about whatever I spoke about in my stories today? How many emails did I get? You know, that sort of thing. So the unpredictability. And that is called intermittent positive re reinforcement. And that is something that is created so that it can increase our use of the platform and increase our addictive behavior towards the platform. And this happens to all of us, not just one person. This is, this can happen to everybody. So uh, it's just, it was, it was a really like life-changing month for me. And then at the end of the month, oh, I also wanted to mention as a whole, this book talks a lot about the need when you do a, a detox from social media or your phones in general, 30 days is necessary and more is even better, but 30 days is necessary. And the reason for that I can explain to you from experience is that the first two weeks is like any other addictive behavior where you are quite literally detoxing, like in a bad way, where you're irritable, you can be sad, angry, mad, you know, what have you. But just think about somebody, you know, coming off of heroin or any other type of addictive behavior. Those things happen in those first two weeks. And you're still going to be reaching for your phone, reaching for this, trying to swipe into this, whatever. I personally had deleted everything off of my phone. So there was nothing to swipe to. And I left my phone away from me, usually upstairs plugged in. But you will like physically be reaching for it and you won't even notice it. And then the, that third week is something, this cloud lifts off and you feel clearer. You feel more able to tackle everyday tasks without having a short fuse or temper or any of those things. You just, it feels like you're more organized. It feels like you're able to, to do everything a lot more seamlessly. That's just me personally. This is what I had noticed. And then into that fourth week just comes this uh, peace and calming and I don't know, just this like unbelievable quiet and the ability to really engage with things and people around you in a way that you probably haven't done in a long time. Like I just was so incredibly in touch with everything around me because I wasn't ever on my phone. And it was pretty incredible experience to the point where I was like, I don't want to go back on. I don't want to go back on my phone. I don't want to go back on Instagram. 
And at that time also felt a pull because again, I felt a almost like a duty to continue educating about the vaccine. And I would say it was about 50% that and then 50%. I really didn't want to let the brands I had been working with for a long time down. I needed to figure out financially what this meant for our family and all kinds of other things. So there was a lot. And so I went back with the idea that I was never going to come on from Friday afternoon to Monday morning, never going to go on to Instagram. And then I would take weeks off here and there. So that's what I did. And that... Yeah, I don't know. I guess it worked for a little while. I was really cognizant the first month or so about my usage. I wasn't on there, you know, very much. I was only on there to strictly post and that was it. And I felt like I had a good handle on it. Took all the weekends off Friday afternoon to Monday morning. And I'd continued that the whole year, but I don't think it was enough. And I do think it it no matter what, it kind of pulls you back in. <laughs> you know, it's like I hate to keep comparing it to this, but you know, say you have somebody who's addicted to a a drug and, you know, you can't just go back and start using the drug again and just use it Monday through Friday and then just take weekends off and then not expect to go back into your same cycle. Do you know what I mean? I felt that, you know, I had started using it a little bit more, maybe was starting to feel a little bit more anxious, more stressed out. And a lot of that, you know, is from the over consumption of information, just simply being on social media, you are consuming an extremely like intense amount of information at one time. You could be learning about the weather in one second. You're learning about COVID in the next second. You're learning about a new sweater in the next second. You're learning about Botox. You're learning about whatever the topics might be. It's back and forth all over the place. And if you think about your mind and what that does to your mind, it's probably like, oh my gosh, what is happening right now, right? It's very hard to concentrate. It makes it harder to concentrate on tasks at hand when you're not using social media. So if you're trying to, I don't know, go ahead and answer emails or concentrate at work, it's very difficult to do so because your brain is used to like constant stimulation or transfer of subjects and topics. And it's like a TikTok video, you know, like you're going through TikTok and this is why I've never downloaded it, but everything changes so incredibly quickly. And this is why, you know, children growing up and looking at TikTok can't sit still and listen to an hour lecture from their professor or their teacher because they're so used to being so hyper stimulated. And that's what was happening to my brain. And, you know, you just kind of fall back into a pattern. And I would take weeks off here, weeks off there. And then in August, I decided to take that month completely off as well. So I do feel like August was pretty significant for me because that's when I decided I wanted to be off of Instagram for good. Prior to that, it was a fleeting thought. It was a back and forth idea. It was, can I really do this from the perspective of, you know, I still like doing this, but it also is costing me so much and I don't know that it's actually worth it. Yeah. So I came back in September and I decided to start talking about this journey and start talking about what I was learning and start talking about podcast episodes and books I had read. And that I did not realize would be so significant for other people to hear, but I had quite a few come to me with either an email or a message just saying, 
you know, what a hypocrite I was. I'm making all this money on this platform and here I am saying how bad it is for us. And, you know, everybody has the right to their own opinion and I, you know, that's fine, but you can (laughs) be using something for work. Like for example, not everybody loves their job, right? And just because I dislike Instagram or social media in general, you know, it's also part of the work I was doing. And so you're also allowed to change your mind. If you think something was really great a couple years ago, you can change your mind about that. That's the beauty of life. And so it almost made me, it kind of motivated me more to talk about it because I felt, you know, that the people that were being triggered were people that were probably on there too much and that what I was saying was ringing so true and they didn't want to hear it type of situation. And that's not true for everybody, obviously, but that's kind of what made me think, okay, I need to talk about this more. I think whenever, (laughs) what I learned when I was on social media is that when you are talking about a topic and it would make people really angry or yeah, make you send emails where there was like paragraphs of written material that were like really aggressive, that you were hitting the nail on the head and you were getting somewhere right with the content. And so for me as an Enneagram 8, I kind of thrive off of things like that. So I was like, okay, this is good. This is good. I'm getting somewhere. And so I just kept talking about it and I kept educating myself on all kinds of different things. Like I had no idea about some of the things that go down in Silicon Valley when it comes to like the creation of some of these tools that we use every day. And I continue to do that every day. I'm reading a book now, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. And even that book has been incredibly eye-opening for me when it comes to AI and what can we, we can expect from AI in years and years to come. And I believe that the more information you know, the more information you have, knowledge is power. And so I, you know, even though something might seem scary or might make you afraid or anxious, then it's also giving you power at the same time. And so, yeah, that's when I set my date to actually leave Instagram. And I set the date for many different reasons and left on, I don't know, it was December, mid-December. And I will do an entire episode on how I feel now. It's been almost two months and I don't know if that's going to be the next episode or not, but yeah, I I do think I'll probably come back on it in six more months or so and, and talk about it then as well, because I think I'll make even more strides in the next few months because it's still pretty fresh, but um, it has been really a huge, significant improvement in my life overall. So... What else? Oh, I mean, I guess we could also talk about how, oh, (laughs) being on social media became really difficult. All of the top, well, seeing a lot of misinformation on there was, was almost barely tolerable for me (laughs) when I would see someone post that was something completely untrue related to the pandemic. I... Oh my gosh, it's just a very difficult thing for me. And also another reason why I can't be on there. I just can't see these things. They make me very angry. They make me anxious and stressed out. So I needed to just remove those things from my life. And I'm sure many of you might feel the same, you know, when you go on there and you see things that you don't want to see, whatever it might be, it's too late. You saw it and it made you feel a particular way. And the problem with social media is that it amplifies all these topics that are making you feel really strongly 
in whatever way, right? Angry, sad, you know, frustrated, whatever it might be. Those are what they like to amplify because they're the things that people will react to. Oh, I'm going to leave a comment. I don't like what she said. Oh, I'm going to interact with this person. I don't like what they said, or this made me, you know, sad or what have you. And so that's the problem with the algorithm is that it just favors these topics that make people all riled up. (laughs) And, you know, I think it was a huge mistake when they went from the uh, chronological algorithm to this absolute nonsense algorithm where they amplify voices and topics that are harmful to people. And it doesn't matter if that topic is misinformation or not. It could be something completely untrue. It could be about, you know, a, you know, that a human can fly now and, and there's someone up in the sky. I don't know. Who knows? It could be about literally anything, but it could be about something so incredibly far-fetched, but it will get amplified to the very top and people will start believing in it because that's kind of where we're at, you know? But anyway, there's a lot more that I could say and I can't even, there's just so much that I can say. Let me just go through my notes here about a few of the books I had read and just see what I wanted to little, to touch on a little bit. So this is still the digital minimalism book. Let's see what else I wrote. So this is from the founding president of Facebook, Sean Parker. How do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? That means that we need to sort of give you a little dopamine heat, every, <laughs> dopamine hit every once in a while. Isn't that the truth? A little, a little dopamine hit every once in a while, or how about every five seconds? <laughs> a huge dopamine hit. And this was another quote I had written down. This is why clutter is so dangerous. It's easy to be seduced by the small amounts of profit offered by the latest app or service, but then forget its cost in terms of the most important resource we possess, the minutes of our life. I mean, is that not completely true? I'm going to read it again. I, this is so, this is great. This is why clutter is dangerous. It's easy to be seduced by the small amounts of profit offered by the latest app or service, but then forget its cost in terms of the most important resource we possess, the minutes of our life. And I think I might even just end it here simply because, well, actually I won't because I want to talk about solitude. Okay. So what I have gained since I left social media is my life. the actual minutes of my life and adding up any of those minutes that I spent on my phone for whatever reason, I have gained back and gained so much. And again, I will talk about that in a different episode, but a few stats here. So the average American in 2019, this is before the pandemic when we were using our phones much more, (laughs) much more. We averaged 5.4 hours a day on our phones. Think about 5.4 hours. What the hell could you do with those hours? What could you do? (laughs) All the different things that you could do. The other thing I want to mention, and they mention it in this book a lot, is solitude and how it's beginning to fade away altogether. And they define solitude deprivation, which is important. So it's a state in which you spend close to zero time alone and your own thoughts and free from input from other minds. So think about that. I used to go on walks and I used to just bring maybe music or maybe nothing, but I could be alone in my own thoughts. Even if I had music in the background, I've always been somebody that had music in the background. It helps me think. 
and I'm alone with my own thoughts and I'm free from input from any other minds. We are never free from any other minds when we are on our phone. We're not even in our own thoughts. And so basically we're in this state of solitude deprivation where a lot of Americans just don't get that solitude anymore. You don't even have time alone with your own thoughts. And they talk about what solitude brings you. And it's so many different things. It can regulate your emotions. It can build morale, courage, strengthens relationships, the ability to clarify hard problems. And again, these are things that I have seen in my own self since leaving. I have seen all of these things have improved significantly in my own self. And I've had a lot of solitude in the last two months. I have been reading a lot, which again, isn't solitude because you're reading a book and you're reading someone else's thoughts, but I've been reading a lot. I've been, I try to do my walks. I try to work out in the car. I just will turn everything all the way down. Just be silent for 10 minutes. Have you ever tried that? It's really kind of weird to do if you haven't done it in a long time, but to just sit there and like, oh my gosh, I'm thinking about something and there's nothing else around to disrupt that thought or even just like sitting alone in your room and meditating. I don't meditate. I actually wish I could. I mean, I can, I can do anything. (laughs) So could you, but it's very difficult for me. And I like yoga is difficult. Meditation is difficult. It's just, I think part of my personality. And so it is something I want to kind of go into at some point. I think it would be extremely helpful. Yeah. Okay. So let's see what else I have written down about dopamine and not dopamine nation. What book is this? Digital minimalism. Yeah. Okay. So they talk about the 2015 study that was done by Common Sense Media. It found that teens consuming media were using their phones nine or more hours a day. (laughs) That is so disturbing. And obviously the extreme increase in student mental health issues. Now, this was in 2015. We just went through a pandemic where students couldn't even go to school and were on their phones as much as humanly possible for connection because they're lonely at home with no one you know? And yeah, it's just, it's, it's so crazy. Um, let's see here. Teens have lost the ability to process and make sense of their emotions or to reflect on who they are and what really matters or to build strong relationships or even just allow their brains time to power down their critical social circuits, which are not meant to be used constantly. And again, all of that has to do with solitude, right? It's literally everything in that paragraph had to do with solitude deprivation. And I'll end it with this. Humans are not wired to be constantly wired, which I'm sure you've heard before, but it's a great quote and it's so true. I will probably talk about next week how I, oh, you know what? No, next week I'm going to talk about, not next week, the next episode. So in two weeks from now, I'm going to talk about how I planned This might be interesting just for anybody, but it might be more interesting for people that have a business on Instagram. I've had a few people come up to me and ask me how I did it because they want to do the same, which is awesome. I'm really, 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 really excited and happy for those people that they want to make that drastic change. I know that it is extremely difficult and it's very scary because in some cases, this is people's livelihood and this is the only way that their family makes money. So I'll talk about what I did and how I kind of planned, but I also will be having my friend, Danny. She owns the business Time is Honey, 
she has these awesome planners, awesome checklist checklist pages and things that you can print out. She's, she's an amazing human being. She is still on social media. She's just somebody that I think has such an incredible grasp on how she uses social media. And uh, I think that the conversation will be hugely beneficial to some. So she will be on the podcast in a few weeks. And then I also am thinking of bringing on a few others that I know are contemplating leaving the space just to get their thoughts on here as well. Uh, so, oh, and I also want to just reemphasize if you have any questions for me, that Q&A episode will go live in a couple weeks and you can either call in your question which I would prefer. I think it'll be really great to hear someone else's voice besides my own. Hate listening to my own voice. (laughs) So if you call it in, that would be awesome. Or you can simply follow the link that's in the show notes and that will take you to a spreadsheet where you can place your question. And again, all questions are anonymous. I will not say your name, will not give any type of information that might give you away because I know that some people want to keep things completely confidential. So that's it for this week. See you guys later. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.